Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast would dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, Good afternoon and good evening to some. Uh, Welcome. Uh, We are just on our way to celebrating 11 years as a podcast next week. We have a special guest today. And as every week, we bring to you topics that uh, for leaders that that really make a difference in their day-to-day lives. Today is no exception. I'm uh, having a conversation today with uh, a Miami-based independent scholar and blogger uh, for Psychology Today. He's written a number of books. We're going to talk about a little bit about his background. Um, but I'm uh, delighted to welcome uh, Dr. Lawrence Samuel. Welcome, Larry. Thank you, Brian. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to uh, that you agreed to come on. And um, I, you know, I have seen a number of books, I should say, articles that you've written. Uh, you have you have introduced a lot of really fascinating topics, uh, uh, particularly in psychology today, around uh, psychology of of happiness, psychology of love, psychology of class. Mm-hmm. So few of them. And so today, uh, I know as a part of your series, one that was uh, that you you submitted uh, recently uh, in the last mm-hmm. couple of months was about the psychology of success. So I know you've had a number of of these various topics, but I'd love to hear. Tell me a little bit about yourself and and how you got started, really, uh, with with kind of uncovering what the research says mm-hmm. in a lot of various topics. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. I am I'm a serial author. S E R I L, not serial uh, breakfast cereal. Meaning, <laughs> I just cannot I cannot stop writing. I you know I will um, start writing a new book after I finish one. It's it's sort of um, addictive and obsessive. But I'm blessed that my wife my wife has a real job, so I'm I'm able to do that. I'm a dad, and I'm the primary caretaker of our 11 year old. So I do the drop off and the pickup, but um, I've got a lot of time. And um, I'm sort of obsessed, and, and um, I, I really am driven by the idea of trying to figure out America and Americans and what uh, mm-hmm. makes us tick. So I'm, I'm a student of American culture. So my books tend to revolve around sort of our core mythologies and our core pursuits. Um, I've written about happiness, a book about happiness, and about um, about um, American Dream. I'm, a, you know, I, I'm I'm very interested in what the American Dream is about, and so success came right out of sort of those two things. It, it's it's really really quite related to those two topics, and my principal interest was trying to figure out um, who's successful and why. You know, mm-hmm. I think it all began. Someone mentioned to me. I was talking with a friend and he said, well, you know, this friend who we had lost in t- uh, touch with, you know, decades ago, well, he's really successful. And I, and I, I, I wondered what made him successful. And I think that what they were saying was he makes a lot of money 
And so that gave me the idea, yeah, for the book. And I really wanted to get into this um, concept of success and, and what is it, you know, and yeah. uh, what makes somebody successful or not successful. Right, right. And, and you, you actually, in the article that I read, you talked about that there had been a lot of research uh, out there and published research on uh, the psychology of, of success over the years. And I thought it was very interesting that you, you mentioned that Americans tend to define success in what you framed as outer directed terms rather than inner directed mm -hmm. terms. So can you explain a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, what basically I, before I write a book, I write books because I want to learn about the subject, which a lot of people don't yeah, understand. Yeah. They, they think maybe authors know about the subject and they just, you know, put, put pencil down on paper or a computer and they have a book. It's not the way it works, at least for me. It's that I want to learn about this subject. So it forces me to read <laughs> everything that's ever been written about it, books and articles. Um, and the more I went into the, the backdrop and I start typically um, 100 years back, because I think the 1920s was really a landmark decade. It's really the beginning of the modern era. And so that's, I have a nice century of story to tell. And um, there was a lot of material about this. And I kept seeing the, you know, that success was not turning out to be what American star would be, especially by people who became successful. Ironically, they were the first to say yeah, um, it really wasn't what I thought. Um, it it wasn't the destination. It turned out to be the journey, um, and so I was very intrigued by that. Yeah. And I ended up calling a book the book about this, the failure of success, because I found mm -hmm. that I was arguing that success has been a failure, ironically. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, but back to your point about um, just how we define success. Um, the the primary def definition, if you look in some dictionaries, is the achievement of intention. But a secondary definition is attainment of fame, wealth, or power, mm. which I call outer-directed uh, metrics. And that, I think, it gives us a clue to the problem. Because if you're after one or more of those, um, you're probably not going to find it because there's only so many people that attain those things. Or you're not going to get enough of it. Or you're going to compare yourself to other people who have more of it. Um, so it's basically a losing proposition, and I think that um, that's sort of underlying the whole concept of success in America, and that's where I went with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you also mentioned that uh, many psychologists have advised uh, people to apply those interdirected measures um, in order to to realize feelings of well-being, and so there are two things about that that came to mind when I read that that sentence mm -hmm. was that one is that talking about inner directed measures of success uh, implies that success is kind of in the high eye of the beholder. So the there's there are individualized metrics for success. They're not global metrics for success when the objective is uh, something like happiness or uh, mm -hmm. framing well-being. And I always put well-being in quotes because that's a continuum, right? That you, yeah. you there, there are degrees of well-being, not necessarily a destination of well-being. 
um, and that we're often in kind of sliding scale any given day for that matter. But, but that, that I'd love to hear your thoughts about people saying, well, how, how is that really, how, how, do, how do we really uh, articulate success mm -hmm. if everyone's definition can, in fact, be a valid definition? Yeah, and that, and that's that's embedded into this. It's a very vague, nebulous concept. Um, so I'm not surprised that we just settle on money, basically, because that's a very convenient yeah. scorecard, you know, yeah. to evaluate people. And just by saying success, I, I, am I talking about professional success? And I and I am leaning towards that. But there's also personal success, and and yeah. where it's a very blurry line. And um, should we be defining success more in, in personal terms? And I think we should. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's individually defined. Your success is different from mine. It's there are very subjective measurements of it. Um, it's a moving target. You know, our goals are continually shifting. So my definition of success this year might be different than last year or next year. Mm -hmm. And we're also sort of products of our time and place. Um, you could be successful in one particular time. If you're a bebop musician, um, the time to be was sort of the late 50s and 60s. But um, if you're a bebop uh, musician now, you may not get the airplay that you would, you know, or the audience that you would 50 years ago. So, you know, right. social factors, economic factors, political forces play into this. Mm -hmm. If I could just tell one little story, Brian, because this, yeah, this happened course. very early on. Okay, that um, it's a, just a personal anecdote. And um, by the way, um, a lot of my books have the basis in my own, you know, personal life. And I look mm -hmm. good on paper, as as you <laughs> as you <laughs> found me, because I have a PhD and I've written, you know, dozens of books, and I and I had a good career uh, before, you know, just becoming a writer, but. I don't feel truly successful. I have, you know, doubts and insecurity of my own that I could have done a lot better. Uh, I look in the rearview mirror a lot and I, and I wonder, you know, what if I had taken a different fork in the road? Um, and so I have some regrets about that too. So that, that informed this project as well. But um, there's this, this, this woman in my neighborhood, she lives around the block and my daughter and I, we go for walks and we run into her quite a bit and she's this wonderful lady. She's, um, I don't know, maybe around 30. And by all the criteria that traditionally, the standard criteria that define success, meaning wealth, power, and fame, that kind of stuff, she, she's a total failure because she has none of that. She, for whatever reason, her career, you know, she went to college, but her career never took, took off. She's not married. She doesn't have kids. She just hasn't met the right guy. Um, but she's just, just great person you know and she's kind and considerate and everybody loves her she's smart she's funny and so judging by one set of metrics she's not successful but i consider her hugely successful because she's mm -hmm. like a good person to have you mm -hmm. know in the neighborhood and mm -hmm. on the planet so that yeah. got me more thinking about like you know our, our metrics are messed up if <laughs> she's not considered yeah. successful yeah sure anyway. sure yeah, I, I, and and I think it's fascinating. You said that uh, part of your work is that you seek to understand Americans. Uh, boy, I I do too. <laughs> yeah, um, 
I, I have many colleagues from other other countries and regions of the world that uh, often they will ask me questions that that go around. Why do Americans X or Y? And I am usually in in the area of that's a really good question because there are uh, so many unique um, uh, traits that are are uh, assigned to Americans. So I'd, I'd I'd love to know what so you was it that you you wanted to understand Americans so that you could better cope with being an American or uh, what was it that made you decide to to focus on American behavior? Well, I, I, again, I'm an, all my books revolve around um, American culture. I'm, I have, you know, my degrees in American studies, so that, that is, that's my area. And, and there's, it's big enough, you know, subject for me to find little niches to write about. But the, what I find fascinating is that the story really hasn't changed uh, since we became a nation. And, you know, if you go back and read uh, Tocqueville from France in the, you know, uh, in Democracy in America in the 1830s, he wrote that. It could be written today. He talks about how Americans are, are so driven to succeed and achieve things, and their ambition is just off the charts compared to Europeans and French. And, and you know, and that holds true today. You know, you could say that that, that French people or Europeans tend to work to live. You know, you got to have a job. you got to pay the bills. You know, but they're drinking wine at lunch, and they're, you know, they they have a joie de vie where we do not. You know, we live to work. It, it's just something. It's just embedded in our DNA that we're just hardwired to achieve things. That we're programmed to achieve progress and and be winners and conquer things, even if you want to go that far. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just to me, it just reveals this is just another side of the story. You know, if we uncover the mythologies that, you know, are, are, are embedded in who we are a people, they really haven't changed much. But I, I like exposing them. You know, I like, uh, I like learning about them and saying, okay, here's another example that reveals who we are as a people. Yeah. And yeah. what is it about the, the American culture, though, that makes people is – it, is it capitalism – from your mm-hmm. perspective, that makes people feel that money is the measure, things, material things, and 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 certainly, I'd love to hear if there's some perspective on the evolution of American culture that got us here. That that right. materialism, um, materialism plays such a big role in our emotional security, in our uh, wellness, our feeling of, of success as well. Right. Yes, you hit on it. I mean, there. if you go back to like the Norman Vincent Peels or the Horatio Alger stories, they're all embedded in that, in that the worst thing to be in America is not a failure. Actually, failure is, is, is um, accepted as a pathway to success. And now it's almost celebrated. If you, if you have a startup.com, you haven't failed a couple of times, you're actually less likely to get venture capital. <laughs> they really want to see that you put yourself out there and try to extend yourself in a way. And even if you fail, um, it doesn't mean that you won't be a success next time. So that's like the worst thing is just the persistence and, you know, per- perseverance are the X factors in America that separate, that are believed to separate the winners 
and the loser. So there's nothing worse in America than having this sort of self-defeatist attitude. Yeah. And so um, I kept coming up upon that positive and positivism and optimism. And even though it's a secret, because a lot of people have sold a lot of books about, you know, promising that the keys to success are in the pages of those books, which is of course not true. It's sort of cast as a secret, you know, it's like, it's mysterious and almost magical. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout that, it's always attitude is more important than intelligence. So even if you didn't go to a good school, you know, they, they dangle the carrot that if you have the right attitude, you will succeed eventually. Um, there's mixed opinions about the role that luck plays. I am, it, a lot of people have said, well, a lot, it's, it's more luck uh, than you believe in turning. And I looked at, you know, back on my own life and, and, and thought, well, if I hadn't met that person, I wouldn't have reached the level of success that I did. Mm-hmm. So I think that comes into it. Um, and it's also related, of course, to the self-help movement that, you know, embedded in us is this desire to improve uh, ourselves in some way. You know, we're a very therapeutic culture. Oprah did a lot to, to, really enhance that kind of feeling that we're kind of works in progress. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I think success is related to all that, that kind of stuff. Right. But, right. you know, back to your point about capitalism. Absolutely. I, you know, there's always been like these cheerleaders of success, you know, like rah, rah, cheering us on to succeed. And they tend to be folks who are, have a stake in, you know, the economic or political uh, structure. There are authority, authority figures. So it's sort of part of our way of life based in capitalism because they want us to spend money, you know, when you get down to it. They right. really want us to earn money and keep the wheels of capitalism spending. And so successful people, you know, will have more money to spend. So I, I found a lot of a lot of stuff about the rah-rah part of it. Right. And I think it's also like held as proof that, hey, we're an even playing field, you know, that Everyone has unlimited upward mobility if you have the right attitude, you know, and they don't talk about, well, a lot of it has to do with where you're coming from and the head start that certain people get. And they kind yes. of ignore that. Yes. Well, um, tell me, what is your suggestion, though? I, I think about, so you, you talked about outer directed and inner directed uh, definitions or, or terms of success. Mm-hmm. And I think about the various positions, particularly people in leadership roles are often, uh, they often have metrics placed upon them. So if someone is a superintendent of schools, how many, how many of your schools met goal? Uh, if you are um, someone that works in retail, um, what, were your, what were your numbers? What were your sales uh, for the past year? So there are a lot of numbers that get put or, or destinations to reach or benchmarks that you have to, to reach in order to be seen as successful, uh, is it that simultaneously an individual in these leadership roles should also, while you accept those that, okay, in this, in this job, I have to accomplish these things. However, mm-hmm. for me, what success looks, back, looks like is then mm-hmm. having your 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 other uh, uh, metrics of success like wellness. I do want to go back. I'm, I want to talk about what those might be. Mm-hmm. But is that what right. is that what someone should do? 
um, is have those 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 outer directed ones, but then mm -hmm. set inner directed ones for themselves as well. Um, I I personally don't think so. I to me, no. you always you should always strive go the you know take the high road. I think you should strive for the inner directed, the more um, humanitarian, humanistic, however you want to call it, the altruistic, and then the rewards, the more uh, tangible rewards um, come through that. So mm -hmm. I don't see them as distinct. And I try to live my life like that, that I want to, you know, take the high road. I want to, um, you know, if someone's, I live in Miami and the drivers are crazy. And if someone is trying to like, you know, butt into my lane, I let them go. Cause I feel like that's like, it's like um, I'm a better person, you know, by doing that rather than being angry and blocking him off or something. So yeah. I, I think you should just strive for for the universal uh, hu humane values of happiness and kindness and wisdom and ex express those through your job and through your life. You know, mm -hmm. to me now, it's just my, I consider being a parent like is like how I'm a hero. It's not, you know, what I do, you know, through this kind of stuff. And that's how I really make a difference. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the inner directed, you know, if you, it's just don't, not falling into traps of comparing yourself to other people or schools or metrics, you know, uh, trying to be unique and yourself. Um, I try to take like a holistic view uh, and try to see myself as one person rather than, hey, I'm this writer Larry and then I'm this person Larry you know I'm just one person and I have the same yeah. values yeah. that stream through both of that mm -hmm. um, I because uh, in my book that I you know wrote about uh, uh, success it's that I you know, take the victories where you can yeah. you know my brother you know he wrote a book and it got published and he said and I said you, know, you should just be happy you got it published and he's like well it's not a bestseller and then even if it was a bestseller, then it's, oh, it's not number one. You know, like take all the victories you can, even the small yeah. ones, you know, yeah. rejoice in those yeah. um, and, and accept the failures because they're going to come your way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. And, and so do, do people, I guess, when they, when they accept mm -hmm. this, um, do they feel better? I guess, what does the, the research uh, point to about their, their using those interdirected mm -hmm. definitions? What, what, is the, what is the benefit for individuals that do that? What is there, is there kind of a longevity benefit? Is there, you know, kind of a health benefit? What, what does the research mm -hmm. uh, show about that? The, the research says that more than achieving those outer directed goals of um, <clears throat> of wealth or power or fame, there are inner directed um, emotional traits that um, are much better in the long run because you know money comes and goes, power comes and goes, fame comes and goes. But if you are a contented person, if you are a satisfied person with you know who you are in life if you feel like you've fulfilled certain things, um, those get you a long way. Those will, you know, take, and there are, there actually is research showing that people who've adopted those sort of um, attributes will live longer. Um, it, it has shown to be health, uh, more healthy to, if you can say that you have embraced those sort of values. So, 
So I, you know, that's what I, that's what I go for is just to say, you know, I have everything else is gravy at this point point in my life. You know, I'm a content person. I've achieved a lot. You know, I've I haven't achieved everything I can, but that's okay. That's life. And by the way, I also draw a distinction between happiness, which Americans are are you know obsessively pursuing. Uh, as well, because there's a, a great parallel between success. It's in terms of the de- destination and the journey, like it's not a place you just reach. It's sort of like a state of mind, both success and happiness. So you just have to sort of dwell in it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I also separate happiness from joy because happiness, you know, to me was like when I was, you know, 25 and 30 and, and, and you know, partying and having a great old time. But now uh, as, as an older person, I can say I'm a joyful person. I have a, a sense of joy that I did not have when I was a younger person. You don't realize that until you reach a certain age. So I think just lifespan uh, plays into this as well. Just the stages yeah. of life. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. And I, um, I you're just looking at what I, I've been able to uh, kind of ascertained from a lot of the research and a number of them you you have mentioned in your your article on the psychology of success that uh, mm-hmm. seems to me that there has been, um, as one place you put it, a fluctuating narrative of success, um, and, and we are seeing more people talk about things like well-being now, I know certainly than I've ever heard, um, and mm-hmm. talk about like when when I, now it seems that people are over the great resignation, so to speak, uh, that mm-hmm. it's, it's now it's on we're on to the next thing. But uh, that but still, um, especially among young people uh, that are entering their work lives for the first time, their work kind of the the work stage post post uh, secondary ed and even you know college and other tertiary education mm-hmm. uh, uh, pathways that they are are not being willing to to sacrifice um, sacrifice happiness and comfort uh, in in a different way but a different kind of comfort not the what kind of house you live in but uh, I it, it's interesting uh, my oldest daughter said to me, uh, we, meaning kind of collectively her generation, we're just not going to kill ourselves working like you guys did. Mm-hmm. I was just like, right. really? <laughs> you know, that was, that was, uh, that was a, a revelation for me. Like, oh, I didn't realize you saw it that way. But um, that, that I think they're at least from a section of uh, the generation uh, I guess these would be millennials um, and and uh, post millennials that uh, there's 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 a a push to redefine what they want to consider success to be. Yes, yeah, I see. I've seen that, and I think it's wonderful um, because people say the American dream is dead, and it's not at all dead. If you go back to the original definition uh, of the American dream, like that was written in 1931. It, it has nothing to do with, you know, the white picket fence and owning a house that that's nice, but it's more about um, a better life and being able to achieve things without 
uh, the church or state dictating what you're allowed to do. It's pursuing your own path and pursuing yeah. your passions. So that is directly in sync with that. And I think, I think it's wonderful that um, kids today are, are doing that. You know, it's hard to resist, you know, pushing your kids along the traditional path, you know, with getting good grades and getting into the right schools. And that has not gone away. I can tell you because <laughs> yeah, middle yeah. school already in middle school, they you know they're 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 into the mix you know with with AP and and getting hiring these consultants and writing a story about your life to get into an Ivy League school so it hasn't gone away I can tell you but yeah. um yeah. what I tell my daughter you know like grades are great but I want you to be happy you know do what you want do what you love and um that that's what I'm telling her yeah yeah that's awesome because then you are because then you are a success yeah yeah. Absolutely. Well, I know we're we're just about out of time, but I want to give you an opportunity to share with people um, again a little bit. If you want to give a little bit about your the books, I know you just had one that was published. You said you were a serial author, so um, <laughs> one that uh, one that was just published this past year. If you want to tell us a little bit about that, but also the one that's upcoming that you that is uh, scheduled to be released or two that are scheduled to be released in 2024. Tell us a little bit about those and where people might follow you. I know I found you on Psychology Today, and uh, but other places, media, social media handles or places where they can follow and support you. Right. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I blog for Psychology Today. I use it more like a platform uh, to you know, get a voice out there and promote, promote my books, but also just, you know, it's just a platform for me to talk about what I can. So I'm on psychology today. Lawrence, I think I write under Lawrence R. Samuel on psychology today. I'm on LinkedIn, of course, as Larry Samuel. And I write about a, a book a year or so. And my last book, yeah, it was called Diversity in America. And I traced the narrative by diversity, you know, how it moved through the different stages from, you know, the melting pot to cultural pluralism, to multiculturalism, to to diversity. So I, I was interested in that narrative, how we got to where we are today. Um, my next book actually comes out in October. It's, it's a, <laughs> I'm all over the map. Uh, I grew up on Long Island, so it's a history of Long Island. It's called oh, Making okay. Long Island. It's, yeah, yeah. So um, I was very interested in, in that because it ties in with this, with Levittown and uh, the suburbs and pursuing the American dream in the suburbs. So it all, it all connects. And mm-hmm. then next year in May, I've got two more coming out. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, one is a history of, yeah, the American teacher, because I started getting more interested in education. So it traces the narrative of the American teacher. And then um, one about reading and literacy. So it, it talks about um, the history of literacy in America, which is mm-hmm. uh, a concern these days. So, um, I, I write, it sounds like a lot. I write two pages a day. That's it. But if you add it up, you've got, you have a book in six months. So that's, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's yep. a great. Uh, I tell my uh, doctoral students the same thing about writing their dissertations. Just I, I mm-hmm. actually a little less ambitious. I say a page a day. Just a page a day yep. will get you there, you know. Um, exactly. So, yeah, Just yeah. Break it down. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, listen, Larry. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you coming on. You've added to me, and I'm sure people that have uh, listened in today have gained a lot as well. Um, and so I, you know, I have 
done a number of projects in in Long Island, and so I know Long Island well, and I um, so I look forward to uh, to reading about the work that you 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 have coming up soon, and even the ones next year. So um, I appreciate uh, the work that you're doing, and uh, so uh, we I definitely will be watching and listening and reading. Uh, so um, take care and go well, stay well. Okay. Thank you, Brian. It's been fun. Cheers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.